You're good. You're not going to spill anything today? I'm going to try. <laughs> i got to match it. I want a few more stains in your carpet. Thank you. Yeah, he's already had sick, a sick dog twice. I don't need you here. You look bored, so I figured you should scrub the carpet. But You're Again, awesome. if you have floor cleaning products, I'll clean it. Just we do, and you don't have to. The only deal is you can't tell my wife I know how to clean. Because she thinks I'm useless. You understand I'm recording, right? Yeah. You're, you're, you're safe with us. Yeah. So, that new gaming PC, you're going to pick that up today, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. So. Cool. Ready to rock? came from the 80s, the podcast where we talk about movies we thought were cool. I'm Farron, your host, and I'm here today with Remy. Hello. And Heather. Hi. And finally, we're here. We've done like seven or eight other podcasts. I did three with you. One was a complete train wreck. We did three with you. No train wrecks. I did one with Tiffany. We did one yesterday, and now we're doing Raiders. That didn't take forever or anything. So today... Save the best for last. Which, ironically, this is the first, <laughs> first. episode they're going to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Today we're talking about a movie in which a professor of archaeology, moonlighting as a grave robber, kills dozens and dozens of Nazis in pursuit of an artifact that he probably should have just let them have to begin with. So yeah, this is Raiders of the Lost Ark. And it premiered on the 12th of June, 1981, and it was directed by my favorite director, Steven Spielberg. It was written by Lawrence Kasdan, and it was a story by George Lucas and Philip Kaufman. And it stars Harrison Ford, Karen Allen, and John Reese davies And a lot of dead Nazis, or soon-to-be-dead Nazis. This movie, it's worth noting that this was one of two movies that George Lucas came up with back in the 70s when he was still a decent uh, filmmaker. Back when, back when George Lucas was still a, sort of an artist, he came up with these ideas of these serial movies, like the serials from the 1930s, 40s, and 50s, where you'd, on a Saturday morning you'd go to a Saturday matinee and you'd watch like a, a Bugs Bunny park cartoon. That's why all the cartoons are like 10 minutes each. And you'd watch like the next episode of Flash Gordon, which was really like a six hour movie that they would release like half an hour every week. And at the beginning of every week, you'd have like this text crawl that would let you know what happened last week in case you missed it, because not every kid could go every weekend. And he thought well, he'll do one that's sci-fi. And so he wrote this big script called The Star Wars. And then he did a second one uh, called Raiders of the Lost Ark. But Lucas became so busy with Star Wars, he didn't have time to do Raiders. And he gave it to his buddy Spielberg. So yeah, so the first time I saw this, I, was, I saw it in theaters, and it's kind of unique. It's the first time, I was talking about this with my mother last night. It's the first time I ever convinced my mother to see a movie twice in the theaters. It's the first time she'd ever seen a movie twice. She loved it so much. The second time we were supposed to go see Flight of the Navigator, remember that old Disney film? And uh, we were <laughs> vaguely, it's, it's, it's not a good film. It's, it, you know, but my mother wanted to see it, so we're, we're at McDonald's, we're eating, and we're about to go see it. And I was like, we could go see Raiders instead. And my sister says, yeah. And my father said, yeah. And that was it for flight of the navigator so we saw it twice you know so it was it was that was the film like to see as a kid it was just so awesome but so heather what about you was your what's your recollection of your first time you saw it uh this was actually i think either the first or probably second film i actually saw in a theater okay my parents had gone on a, a date night to see it and when they came home i mean we were <clears throat> technically in bed but <laughs> yeah <laughs> My dad came home and he's like, you guys got to see this thing. 
And so, like, the next time you got a chance, you loaded a pile of kids in the car. And, and off you went. And off we went to see Raiders. That's and it was cool. so good. Yeah, it's a pretty awesome film. It's it's violent. Like That's the thing with 80s movies. They're way more violent than, I think, movies aimed at kids before or after. Like, yeah. It's a violent film, but no one ever thought no, anything and, of it. Because and it was we just, could handle it. Yeah. It was so awesome. But so What about you, Remy? Yeah, I think I, my first time seeing this, it mixes into the other two Indiana yeah, Jones Temple movies. Yeah, Temple Doom so and Oscar Said. I, I remember seeing them probably like 86, 87, so mm-hmm. I've been out a while. I was born a little bit later than you two, so... Uh, yeah, so, you're 37, I, you're so young. Yeah, Get out of here, you damn kid. just a pop in this, in this group, yeah. but uh, <laughs> I... Uh, I remember seeing it as part of these adventure movies, and and I always thought in the '80s that's something that was always captured was, you know, Star Wars was out, and in the Indiana Jones series, and these these like really adventurous shows, Goonies, Goonies, yeah. 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 Uh, the what, did, what was the last one we just talked about? Uh, Monster Squad. Uh, no, or? the the one your parent, your mom didn't go to. Oh, uh, Flight of the Navigator. Flight of the Navigator, yeah. the Tilt a Whirl, and that was like the, the you know these adventure things, and we we did that. We were kids running around the neighborhood, yeah, in our own little Tilt a Whirl, having our own little adventures. And so this movie came out, and it was or this movie was out a while, but we I saw this movie the first time, and it was uh, yeah, just a really fun really adventurous really cool movie indiana jones like he's it's indiana yeah right um so yeah it was really uh see i think that's what, killed, I saw it, that, that's what i think killed the fourth film like indiana jones and the and, and the uh that's when he's a kid right? crystal skull oh the crystal skull yeah I, that I one a problem movie. with that yeah because people forget that what, what made these movies cool is people want like guys wanted to be indiana jones no one wants to be geriatric indiana jones you know indiana jones in the endless night of peeing no one wants that you know there was a point during that movie where i leaned over and said if this is about aliens i'm getting up and leaving and it <laughs> turned out about aliens so i i think that they just went too far i mean yeah. indiana jones with a grave robber yeah but that's what he is he's a grave robber was a was a when in the 80s was yeah. a was a, a possibility i could be this guy that runs around yeah. and finds these relics. I remember digging up sections of my backyard looking for yeah. I don't know, line <laughs> run, rare Indian, uh, rare Indian artifacts or something. But it, uh, yeah. So it's really cool, really cool series and yeah, good movie. It was one yeah. that. Yeah, it's cool. It's, you want to be Indiana Jones. Like I, they never had. I don't think an Indiana Jones like figure. But I had remember the Lo- Legend of the Lone Ranger. That like the movie from the nineteen eighty one or eighty two. We'll have to do that. It rocks that film. I'm the only one in the world who thinks so. Called? But the Legend of the Lone Ranger it was the last time they attempted to do the Lone Ranger. Anyway, huh? I had the Butch Cavendish action figure. He was the bad guy in the film, played by uh, uh, Christopher Lloyd. And to me, though, he had a he had a, he had a wide brim hat, and he had the right more or less clothes. So I suddenly had. Uh, an Indiana Jones-ish action figure. Yeah, Indiana Jones is like the cool thing. Like you said, you could you could have these sorts of adventures on the jungle gym at school. I lived in Deer Run, which is on the edge of um, Fish Creek Provincial Park, which is a forest, and I could go in there and I could be Indiana Jones. You know, that was super cool. And you could bury, like you said, you could bury stuff and go find them. And you know, I had this, I had like the severed head of a figure, and it was gold, like a little action figure. And I just had the head. So what do you think that became? The Idol. Of course it did. And yeah, like those films are just, they're, they're imagination fuel. Okay, I wound up being, you know, a boring guy in life. But that was, my, that was my imagination fuel. That guy and the stuff he did. You've just, I mean, we just watched it. So what to you, like what sticks out in your head? You just finished watching this. Um, yeah, I think the, the thing for me in watching is it's still captivating. Right from the mm. start to the finish. There's no... 
it's not a slow movie by any stretch. No. I find it to be very, <laughs> and they drive the action just the right way. It's not over the top or it's all action or it's all, they develop story well. Uh, I, so I find that it's just a very captivating movie. And at the end of it, I sit back and go, cool. Like it's just, yeah, still cool. It's still a cool film. Yeah. What about you, Heather? Yeah, I, I, I still want to be Indiana Jones uh, when I grow up. <laughs> You're 44 years old. <laughs> okay, you well, you do cool work for the government, but it doesn't involve stealing artifacts, I would hope. No, rarely. Rarely. Uh, rarely. Okay, <laughs> good. Yeah, it's for me, what stands out is it's two things. First off, it's the sound of music. The, the music is, I mean, my God, John Williams, it's still, it's still, to my mind, his best work ever. He never, ever, ever topped Raiders of the Lost Ark, I would argue. And the sound, like, you know, when we were talking about this, when we watched that opening scene where uh, one of the guys who Dr. Jones has hired, he pulls a gun on him and you hear that the gun cock. It's a little too loud. Like it's everything, like everything is just a little louder than it probably quote unquote should be, but it works. And you hear this distinct caulking sound and then the sound of the, the whip. And then, you, you know, you get the, even when the, when the gun comes out of the guy's hand and lands on the rock, you hear a gunshot. And I'm not sure whether it's meant to be literally the gun has gone off or just to punctuate the fact that the gun has been taken from him, but it just, the sound is awesome. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that strikes me is Indiana Jones is incompetent. <laughs> Name me one thing he does right. He, he leads his people into the, into the jungle. He gets them all killed. He loses the idol. He escapes because his friend Jock is waiting for him. He gets the, uh, he, the only reason he gets the, uh, the medallion is because uh, Marion is smarter than he is. He finds the Ark but loses it. He only gets it back because Sala, you know, bails him out. Uh, he loses it again. And in the end, God bails him out. Like, this guy does nothing right in this film. And that's, you know, like, that's very much like a Harrison Ford thing, the sort of the barely competent guy who always seems to pull it out. He's, he's, he's so relatable, though. <laughs> he's so... He has these epically bad days. Yes. But somehow he just keeps going. And he always pulls and, it out of the and fire. And figuring it out. And yeah. in the end, it works out. Yeah, well, I, it's like when he chases the ark. It's like, how are you getting the ark? I don't know. I'm just figuring this out as I go along. And he finds a horse and okay. It, that's the thing. But this guy, he's like, he's monstrously incompetent. And he's so relatable. And he's so relatable. And, so, and, and yet he always wins in the end. And I think that's really cool. I think highly intelligent, super incompetent. Because he has so much knowledge. I yeah, mean, he's not the, a dumb the guy. The intelligence. I mean, it's not fair. He knows how to get stuff done. Yeah, he's, but it's he's just, crafty. He's crafty, but he just, he keeps, it's not that he even makes mistakes. I always say you can do everything right and still get it wrong. You can still do everything right and fail. And he did, he fake, he always seems to succeed in spite of himself, in spite of his competence. He always seems to be on the losing end of things. And yet he wins. It's kind of funny and I get a kick yeah. out of it. But this film is like one debacle after another. And he keeps getting up. And he keeps getting up. You, know, you gotta, you gotta, uh, you gotta admire a guy who always gets up. Well, I like the one thing that you talked about there is the, the score of this movie yeah. is, is incredible. And, and it's funny because everybody knows the Indiana Jones theme. Everybody yeah, the, the, knows ra the Raiders that. March. It's the called Raiders yeah, March. The Yeah, you know, and you think about that in the movies, and I, I remember seeing Crystal Skull in the theaters, the mm. one that I saw in the theater, and the second they play that, oh yeah, you're for on the board. first time, everyone's cheering. It's everyone knows that, and I, you know, at work, I, I work in construction, so lots of times I'll leave a house through a garage, and I hit the garage door button, and I run for, and I got to jump over the sensor, and literally, I'm either humming the song <laughs> or 
I'm playing it in my head as I jump under the garage door, and all I want to do is reach back and grab my hat. Yeah, yeah. The problem is, is the sensor will trip, and the garage door will go up, and, <laughs> and then you got to like head back in. I'll just and... look like an idiot and do it again. But yeah, it's just it's an it's funny because there are in we got to get him a fedora. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You talk about Star Wars, same thing, right? The the march when Darth Vader entered. Yeah, the Imperial March, yeah. The Imperial March. Like... These these things from when we were these kids, iconic, these yeah. iconic pieces of music. Pieces yeah. of music. Everybody knows that, and yeah. that is really uh, it is something that sticks with you because I've seen lots of movies. That don't have the a music or a tone or a tune that yeah. anyone remembers. Well, it's like so. Top Gun, Danger Zone. Everyone knows this song, Danger. It's not even a good song by Kenny Loggins, but everyone knows it. Oh, that's the Top Gun song. It's yeah. the Top Gun song, which it wasn't made for Top Gun. Was it? I don't think I, I thought it was a song. I don't know. I it probably maybe it was. We'll find out someday when we do Top Gun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Again, Pro- probably <laughs> was made for that movie, but it's the Top Gun song. They're, they're, but it's a whole song. It's not well, just yeah. the thirty seconds you see on Top Gun. Apparently, there's like a whole song. Well, yeah, yeah, I did on soundtrack. Yeah, from time to time. Yeah, yeah and it, or or the Ghostbusters theme. Everyone knows the yeah. go. Like if if you walk in if you walked into a mall and yelled, "Who you gonna call?" Someone will scream back at you, "Ghostbusters." Who you gonna call? Yeah, and for and it's John. I mean, this is John Williams. This is what he does. I mean, Star Wars, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Jaws. People who've never seen Jaws know that's the shark music. Yeah. I made a political joke on on Twitter. I said every time, every time a new revelation comes out. You know, tr- uh, Trump screams wildly every time a new revelation comes out about Trump. I hear the Jaws music, and <laughs> I got all as the most responded Twitter or tweet I'd ever had. And people have said, "You know what? I've never seen that movie, but I get the reference." Like everyone gets it because, and it's John Williams. Like this guy is like the soundtrack of the '80s. Him yeah. and James Horner, who did the Star a lot of the Star Treks, and he, um, you'd recognize his music immediately. Right. But John Williams, he's in a class by himself. Yeah. And this this. Raiders, Raiders score. March. Yeah, the, the Raiders March had some adventures, and honest to goodness, that it, music it plays it, in it's, your head. It's playing it. Yeah. If I'm f- flying in a small aircraft to work, <laughs> I got my hat on my face, and I'm like, da, 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 da. Yeah, you see, you're seeing, you're seeing the line on the yeah, map. Exactly. As you. That's awesome. So yeah, so let's sort of go through this, not you know point for point, or this would be like a two-hour podcast, and we certainly don't want that. So it starts off with you know these guys wandering through the forest, and I think it just said South America in 1936, because South America is just you know that it's very much this 1930s feel. It's sort of the great unknown, really. It's someone else's home, but for an American, it's the great out there. So it's South America. Who knows where? And they're wandering through the forest, and there's like what, like three guys with them. There's Alfred Molina. There's the guy who pulls the gun, and there's one other guy who freaks out. He runs when we, when they see the statue. Right. One, sort of a running gag, and it's anytime someone sees a scary stone well, statue. There's another guy who must be the lookout that ends up getting killed as they come out of the out of the cave. No, no, he was the he was the gun. He was the guy with the gun. Oh, okay. they caught him because he made a run for it, and they caught him. But yeah, oh. so there's three or four of them, whatever. <laughs> and so you know they get scared off one at a time, and then at this point we haven't even seen Indiana Jones. We just we see him in profile, and that's the one thing you know we talked about when we were watching. It's like. That profile of the leather jacket with the whip on the hip and the fedora, 
that's Indiana Jones. And you see that's the first thing we see about him. Um, we also learn that he knows better than to, you know, taste three day old poison on the end of a, <laughs> of a tip. He just rubs it and goes, hmm, this is not new. Whereas Alfred Molina licks it, spits it, goes, no. Novitos are near. Poison is still fresh, three days. They're following us. If they knew we were here, they would have killed us already. Dude, yes. yeah. Safety tip, buddy. Yeah, it's like, don't lick the poison dirt. <laughs> yeah, why are you turning blue? Help me. But yeah, it's, it's, it's so they, you know, so they're. Those cautions on bottles and stuff had to come from somewhere, though. They, they wouldn't put on bleach, do not drink, if someone didn't at some point drink, drink bleach. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, so they're, so they stop by this, this, this lake, and he's looking at this map, and it's like your generic adventure map. It looks like a freaking pirate map. It's like these two pieces of parchment or something, and he's, she's checking him out, and then one of the guides pulls the gun. And you hear that great click and then the whip and, you know, Indiana Jones whips the, you know, whips the gun out of his hand and the guy runs off into the jungle. And then we get to see it's Harrison Ford. And I'm glad it was Harrison Ford because initially it was supposed to be Tom Selleck. And that just doesn't work. It's not no. the same at all. Well, and no. it, it's funny because there's a lot of that happens in movie reviews. They talk about uh, somebody else being, uh, Matrix is a big one yeah. of the 90s. And they talked about another actor being... Uh, Neo and and it's funny because you sit back and go well I couldn't imagine anyone else doing it even though Keanu Reeves is not my favorite actor actually I always thought he was a very good actor he, but uh, me. he yeah. well and the funny thing is the more you look at it he's just very he's what he is I know kung fu yeah like, he's very <laughs> kind of flighty but when you look at the work he's done the movies he's done he's actually a yeah. relatively good actor and yeah. and he was an amazing Neo and Harrison Ford was an amazing Indiana Jones yeah. and we say oh Tom Selleck wanted to work. But maybe it, we wouldn't know any yeah. different. But, it, it, but in fact, it's funny you bring up um, uh, Neo or like Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves was yeah, a well-known actor at that point, but not really. Like even he was one of these guys who just sort of there. He'd done Bill other movies, Bill and, and then yeah, Bill yeah, and Ted's Excellent Adventure, dopey and, guy. and then Bogus Journey, and then I think he'd done a couple. And he did Speed, mm-hmm. uh, so he was already kind of big. But you know, for Harrison Ford, it's the same. He'd done at that point. He was already a big star. He'd done. He started. I mean, I'm not sure what film he started off in, but his first big break and where he met George Lucas was American Graffiti, which was a magnificent movie. It's kind of a shame it's not an '80s film where we do it. It's about the '60s car culture in California among teenagers, and he pays the sort of the big man who's come out of town to you know come into town to race people. And then he did Star Wars and. Empire Strikes Back, and then he did this. Those weren't very big, though. No, they were, those were small indie films. Actually, ironically, Star Wars kind of was. <laughs> kind of was, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was a big budget, but it was an indie film in every other aspect. This this solidified him. I think that had he not done Raiders, had he just done Return of the Jedi, he would have gone back to being just, he's just some guy. And he might have done well, but I think it was Indiana Jones that solidified him. I think Star, I think this was his... He's the leading man in this, whereas yes. in Star Wars, there's he's, three or four. There's, yeah, he's and he's and he's he's the smartest, sharing the spotlight. Yeah, and he's kind of the dopey. Well, he's kind of dopey here too, but he gets to. Yeah, but he, he's the leading dope. <clears throat> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Right, and in in, in uh, Star Wars, he's almost a a distraction from the main story in his personality. Yeah. So, so I think that this the reason that it shot him up so much is he he was perfect for the role. He was perfect for the role. Yeah, so, Selleck yeah. would have been too serious. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Selleck is a good actor, but he's a very different actor. We reveal that it's Harrison Ford. They enter the temple, and we discover the coolest video game level ever, which is, you know, starts with spiders. Oh, at this yeah. point, it's just Alfred Molina, who would go on to play Dr. Octopus, and he gets his first taste of having more than, you know, 
four appendages on him. Uh, you know, they spot the the few tarantulas on on Indy's back, and he brushes them off, and then he tells Alfred Molina's character to turn around, and the guy is freaking covered with these, and that's and you get the plink 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 music sound. You know, from the, that's a standard spider music. Yeah. I think right. it's always been so. And they're going down his shirt and they're running over the top of his... Like, it's just... It's meant to be skin crawling. And, yeah. and for you, I say, yeah, exactly. And it's like, I, I feel bad for A, for the spider handler. It's like, put more on. One, two, three. We're good, Mr. Spielberg. No, no, more. Okay. And poor, and poor Molina has to stand there making probably very little money for that movie thinking... I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to be a real actor one day. I'm going to get my my, my, my card for doing this. I'm going to be in movies. I swear to God, I just got to get through this. You know, I'm not, dramatic. I'm not a drama king. I'm just, I'll do whatever they tell me you to just, do on you set. Please yeah. just give me my, please give me my card and my credit in the film. Actually, he gets uh, pretty high credits. Like he's, he, in the, when they show the credits in the opening scenes, he's, he shows up pretty quickly because there's very few actual characters in this film. Hmm. So they, he doesn't wind up just in the end credits as, you know, idiot number five. Like he's listed in the opening yeah, guy with, guy with spiders. Yeah, um, he's listed, and he's actually a very, very good actor, especially in Spider-Man Two. He's actually quite good as Doctor Octopus. So yes, yeah, so they do. So so the first there's the spider level, and then the next uh, the, the next uh, trap in this video game level is uh, the spikes, where we discover Forrestal, his competitor, and this is where we start to realize that Indiana Jones is not on the level. It's not his colleague. It's his competitor. Well, he's both. And Forrestal, you know, the, the they do the, you know, Spielberg uses this trick a few times where the body's, like, the head turns to look at the audience, but it's not because the body is animated, it's because gravity is moving the head. And the screaming isn't coming from the corpse, it's coming from, well, Alfred Molina. And then what's the, what's the next trap after that? The darts. The darts. Yeah, they go into the room. No, the... the oh, pit. right, the chasm. That's oh, right, yeah. the chasm. Yeah, so they, With the... The, uh, the tree, the, the, the fallen tree. The whip, Conveniently, yeah. he can sort of swing over, and Alfred Molina almost falls, and you know, because he's not really good with the whip. And okay, fine. And then there's yeah, then there's the uh, the darts, the, 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 this cool room where, as you pointed out, all the uh, the stepping stones that set off the darts are conveniently the only things covered with moss. Nothing else around them, just the stepping stones. I'm not sure how that works. It's very convenient at the Mayans. Or, mm-hmm. it's, it's just like the path is just worn. Yeah, so I assume that's a filming trick to show the audience that there's a bunch of these things on the ground. Don't step yeah, there. But, yeah, but still, it's uh, you know, what's his name wants to run in there, Molino. Yeah. Well, there's honey. There's nothing to feed here. It scares me. Yeah, this room's easy. I'll just go grab it. It's right there. And, uh, you know, Indy stops him and pushes the plate with a torch. With torch yeah, and, and the arrow comes and, and thankfully yeah. hits the... I mean, it's, 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 the, it's the perfect movie moment, right? The arrow hits the, the, the torch he's used to press right down. Right next to his head. Right next... Yeah, it, it's, it's the cool reminder. It's sort of like in the... You know, if, if a knife had been thrown, it would have gone right over his shoulder into the wall behind him and he would have pulled it out and looked at it. It's a, it's a filming trope. But it works. When, and and nine-year-old me was way on board. Yeah. I'm, I'm smarter than the lackey. Yeah. And oh boy, that dark mist. Yeah, exactly. And so he, you know, he makes his way to the to the idol. And it was kind of cool. I noticed when we watched, I'd never noticed this before, is that surrounding the idol and it's sort of the perch it's on are these chairs. And I just sort of, in my, I have this vision of these sort of priests sitting around and sort of looking at this idol and having a conversation over it. Uh, so he, he sort of looks at it. And you know, one of the most famous scenes in cinema, he sort of, 
rubs his chin and he, he looks at the idol, this cool little gold head. It's actually not the head, it's the whole body. It's just mostly head. Mm. It's like a bobble it's head. Like crouching down or something. Yeah. And he, he pulls out this, this sack of sand and he lets some of it go and puts, you know, then he sort of, you know, the, the music rises and he switches the, uh, the head for the idol for the, uh, for the sand and Miles all cocky because he's Harrison Ford. And I think that that's exactly a good point is Harrison Ford in that moment. There's this like goofy arrogance to him as this happens like, I'm smarter than the, than their trap. And then all fucking hell breaks loose. And then then as he turns to like, got it. You know, you hear this as the, as the pressure plate lowers because obviously he didn't get the weight right. Yeah. And then, and then, and then the entire, like the entire facade behind him, (laughs) it doesn't start to crumble slowly the whole thing just comes down and he has to run and so he runs back across the uh, this sort of dart room with all these pressure plates and he gets missed every time though miss Butters showed us uh, that apparently that works they actually tried this with paintballs not darts because insurance is what it, you know insurance is expensive for movies well and um, i mean in today's day and age you fire laser yeah it would lasers always be... across instantaneous response whereas this he's stepping on a pressure plate it's yeah exactly to to the, the 1930s archaic or probably two... well 1930s you know, this is probably 500 years 500 old but yeah it's <laughs> it is what it is and it's a cool scene and then yeah. you know he's running uh and they get back to the chasm and Al- alfred molina's character's already made it across but in doing so the bullwhip has come loose and he has the whip and he's like you know throw me the throw me the, the whip you throw me the idol i throw you the whip and of course Harrison Ford throws the idol in. Adios, senor. And off he goes. Well, shit. So he, you know, this is where we learn, and this is what I love, is that um, we learn that Indiana Jones is not superhuman. He doesn't know kung fu. He's not leaping off walls. There's no parkour here. He's not doing a triple flip. He tries to run across the chasm and barely makes it because he's not that fit. Because he's not a young man anymore. (laughs) And he just barely makes it, and he's able to drag himself uh, up again using that uh, root it's a root. I, I love that the root pulled out after he got it. Yeah. It was like, oh. Yeah, because he gets it and again. It's that smell. Like, I'm fine. And then it falls down a bit. He's like, every time this guy thinks he's got it handled, something goes wrong. The, the good news is though, and it, it could have gone wrong, is it was like the slowest closing door ever. And it seemed to reset itself. Yeah, because he's watching yeah. that door come down, and then it's up a bit, and then down and then a he bit, falls a little more, and then he scrambles, and then he falls a little more, and he's trying to get out of this chasm and. You look at the door and it hasn't moved at all. So like, thank. Well, goodness. it has, but it's gone back up a bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah thank goodness, because had that door come down at a normal pace. Yeah, the rest of the movie would have been him you know, like banging. Yeah. Guys, hello, hello, anyone there? Raiders Help! Of the lost archaeologist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A thirty a thirty minute short film, but yeah, it's and so he you know and, and then of course we have the the, the ball rolling. Well, which, as soon as as soon as he gets through. Oh that right, door, right, right! So he comes across the, the, yeah, the darts. It's like this two steps. Yeah, this That's is right. that iconic scene where dun 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 dun. He, rolls under the door and grabs his whip just as it comes yeah. down. Right. And then he stands up and there is Alpha Molina dead. So the guy made it two steps without Yeah, Indiana because he things. forgot about Forrestal, you know, impaled on the pikes and now he is. And that's pretty gory because it's like one one of those things is going right through the top of his skull and then one through the throat. And then as, you know, Indy gets, you know, leans down, the camera 
follows him to the ground where the idol has been dropped. And this poor bastard's been run right through. Thankfully, the, they didn't get gross. Like the He's not impaled anywhere <clears throat> unfortunate. But it's everywhere else. Like, this guy is... Mouth open, yeah, eyes the open. The eyes bulging. Death. It yeah. was pretty scary. Like, and it's, it's a little... He looked pretty surprised. Yeah, I think he was. Yeah. <laughs> like, I forgot the... <laughs> yeah, and, and so he goes running, and then there's the boulder, which, you know, as you pointed out, is not really there to, to crush people. It's there to seal off the temple. But it's one of those scenes, like... You know, I mentioned during the film that there was some local used car salesman or something who who remade this entire scene for his freaking car company, like for his used <laughs> car lot, and it was terrible. And these days, Paramount would probably send a cease and desist letter. But I think they just went, whatever, cool, it's advertising for a movie, and it was a lousy commercial, but it worked, you know. And so this guy, you know, he, he Indiana Jones makes it out of the temple, and who's waiting for him? Rene Belloc, dressed as an African explorer of the 1930s, which is to say pit helmet and beige shorts and a shirt and the, the hiking boots. Dr. Jones, again, we see there is nothing you can possess which I cannot take away. And he's hanging out with the Havitos, the local tribe. Rene Belloc is willing to kill because the guy who pulled the gun on Indiana Jones is there. He's a little holier than he once was he's filled with uh with poison darts which is not three days old and yeah he's dead I mean, like his whole back is covered in those blow darts but you'd put i think you'd said that Rene belloc never he, gets his hands dirty he never gets his hands dirty he doesn't he doesn't have the, the the stomach to do the dirty work he can he can order someone yeah he'll work with the nazis very easily yeah but he's not having anyone killed but he, he wants the artifact yeah, he, he wants the artifact but he's not willing to kill for it but he'll hire other he'll hire other people he to doesn't do actually want to you know do it or touch the yeah. Touch the icky, yeah. But he does want that. He does want that darn... Uh, he sure does. He wants that idol, so he gets it. And Indiana Jones makes a run for it. And this is where we get to see Comet Indiana, because he's covered in <laughs> dust, racing across this open plain with all these pissed-off Havito natives chasing him. And he's screaming at the top of his lungs. I'm not sure if it's Jacques or Jock. Get it up! But he's screaming, you know, help, help, help. This guy's fishing. This guy's fishing. Yeah, he's he's got a guy waiting with a with a with a sea with a what we call him seaplane. Yeah, a plane with pontoons on it. Float plane, yeah. Float plane, right? Yeah, and it's looking at these old 1930s. Well, it is a 1930s prop-driven biplane. You know, yeah, he's he's doing the the fishing thing, and he's got to decide: do I want the fish or do I want to save the guy who hired me? Uh, And he actually, it's funny because he kind of thinks about it for a bit too. (laughs) You know, and he gets in and he gets in the plane and. At that point, Indies reach the river and off they fly. And this is where we learn that Indiana Jones doesn't like snakes. And like I said during the movie, this is really contrived to me. Because why was this guy, why did he have a freaking python or whatever it was in the front seat of that plane? There's a big snake in the plane, Jacques! Oh, that's just my pet snake, Reggie! Well, just so Indiana Jones could say, I hate snakes. Gee, I wonder if there will be snakes later in the movie. They do a bunch of that foreshadowing in, in the Indiana Jones movies. I think there's another one we, we were talking about later in the movie, and I can't remember exactly which one it was, but they do that foreshadowing. I hate snakes, and then there's snakes. Well, there's the I... bug thing in, 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 in Temple of Doom where you get the odd little bug, and it's kind of gross, and then uh, Willie, the singer, has to put her hand in that, sto- in, in right. that hole in the wall, mm-hmm. and it's just it's nothing but the creepiest, crawliest bugs that they could come up with like big nasty things and yeah, yeah. R- roaches and yeah. Uh, roaches were the best thing there centipedes. yeah that's yeah. yeah, a cool thing to do like the one thing that indiana jones movies have done is they've kind of carried forward this 
Well, the, the themes stay the, the same. Yeah. Well, yeah, a lot of that is it's the same topic. director, right? It's right. the same writing team. It's the same director so they can get that consistency. And they want people to relate to it that it's like, oh, yeah, this is an indie movie. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. This is, yeah, this is an Indiana Jones movie because we have that. Not just the music. Yeah. It's also everything else. Right. So he escapes, and the next time we see him, he's in he's in class. We learn he's a professor. And at this point, he's shaved and he's wearing glasses. Which remember back in the eighties, only bookworm, only bookworms <laughs> wore glasses. Cool kids didn't wear glasses, but he's a professor, so he has glasses. You know, and this is where we see his uh, his class is like all girls, almost all girls, and they're all giving him the moony eyes. Especially one girl who's written "I love you" on her her eyelids in eyeliner, I guess. And it's totally distracting for him because he notices it and she sort of gives him the long blink and he, he um, uh, what was I talking about? And that's kind of funny. Like, it's clear that no one's in this class because they think he's a great professor. He's young and attractive to them. And, and I've been the adventurer and he's kind of like, you know, it's funny because Heather was saying earlier that I wanted to be Indiana Jones and, and that it just kind they of... They want to do Indiana I, Jones, I, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of makes him this iconic figure in... Even when he's a teacher, like he's a bit of a dope, but he's they know what he is. Or I mean, iconic, maybe they yeah. do. We assu- we're but, assuming that but, people know but what some he does. People have himself. an adventure, adventurous personality, and that's a, an attractive feature to people. Yeah, fair enough. And they know he's an adventurous. Maybe they don't know that he's a grave, a grave robber, robber <laughs> yeah. but they know that he's adventurous, and he he's obviously very knowledgeable on the yeah. the subject. He's the young dynamic teacher. The, yeah. As this scene progresses, he's then sitting with the U.S. military's intelligence team talking about, about yeah about yeah so yeah so marcus brody the who i guess we never find out if he's the museum director or if he works runs the university yeah <laughs> he goes and you know and, and this is where we realize yeah he he was going to steal artifacts and marcus brody was going to buy them and he says you know jokingly i had it marcus i had it in my hand what happened yes huh bell luck you want to hear about it not at all I'm sure everything you do for the museum conforms to the International Treaty for the Protection of Antiquities. You know, in other words, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And Indy still wants that damn idol. But yeah, but there's something more important. Military intelligence has come to speak to him. And they talk about Indy's old mentor, his old teacher, Abner Ravenwood, who's, who's featured in this Nazi cable. This is 1936. The Nazis are the bad guys. And of course, in 1981, we know the Nazis are the bad guys. But in 1936... They're just another belligerent nature, a nation out there. They're not at war with anyone yet. They're just lo- bad guys looming on the horizon, and they're wondering why is why is Ravenwood, you know, featured? And this is where we learn he's obsessed with finding. I'm not sure if it's the lost ark he's interested in finding, or if it's just the city of Tanis that he wants. I don't think they ever say. Yeah, okay. I think I think it was like the Tanis is his obsession. Well, he knew a lot about the Ark because he was talking about where it was buried because she drew the map about the... Well, yeah, but that's 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 Indy talking about that, Oh, right? But, like, whether entire... Abner... I'm not sure whether Abner... Whether it was the city of Tanis he wanted, just the city, or whether he was looking specifically for the Ark. I, my impression, based on the language, and we'll clip this, is that it was the city he wanted. Uh, obviously, we've come to the right men. Now, you seem to know uh, all about this Tanis. No, no, not really... Ravenwood is the real expert. Abner did the first serious work on Tannis. He collected some of its relics. It was his obsession, really. But he never found the city. Which makes him a grown-up archaeologist, because it's the kooks who go after the Holy Grail and the Ark of the Covenant and that sort of stuff. It's the grown-ups who say, I want to see the temple. 
I want to see the artifacts. I want to see the writing. I want to see the carvings on the wall and the hieroglyphs. That's that's where that's where the money is. Mm-hmm. Not the money. I don't mean literally the money. That's where the the knowledge is. That's the that's where that's, the science. Is. That's where the science is exactly. And so you know they start talking about the ark, and then you get that great music, the mm-hmm. ark music. Good God! Yes, that's just what the Hebrews thought. Uh, now what's that supposed to be coming out of there? Lightning. Fire. Power of God or something. And that's what it's called, the Ark. I'm not, whatever, it's the Ark music. And he says, well, you know, what's it look like? What's the Ark look like? And he has that kick-ass book with like the metal hinges on it. Like, I want that book. I don't even know what it was. I don't think it was a Bible. Or maybe it was. It was yeah, as you mentioned in the Bible, they're very specific about how the, the Ark is. Yeah, they've got, they've got the dimensions and how to build it because Mythbusters did it. Right, okay. Um, but... I don't think that book was a Bible. I think it was just a, a book of a, a, a biblical, a biblical book yeah. of some sort. Yeah, but it they, sure had a cool binding. Oh yeah, and the, and the picture was scary as hell. Like the the picture of the you know the four Israelites with the you know holding the ark yeah. up and these rays of light coming out, and it's very sort of Victorian era printing, which is all black and white with a little bit of color added, and it's like the like the yeah the rays like the, the death rays and you see in the foreground of this picture these people writhing in pain because the the ark is laying waste to them because you know it's this terrible thing if you know if you have the ark at the head of your army you are unstoppable which presumably is why hitler wants it and, they, and why the u.s military wants to stop hitler from them winning. so they go to the person who they think is well, so I think everyone that, kind of is aware that he's a grave robber. Like the U.S. Yeah. military is there for a reason. Yeah, but aren't they going to? Aren't they going to? But they, yeah, but they they go to Indiana Jones because he knows Abner. Yeah. Oh right, right, and because he's got this reputation. Doctor Jones, we've heard a great deal about you. Have you? Professor of archaeology, expert on the occult, and how does one say it? Obtainer of rare antiquities. Yeah. Because at one point they talk about his well-earned reputation. That's yeah. the thing. Everyone knows who this man is. They're all okay with the fact that he's probably not doing everything yeah. legal. Well, even in Temple of Doom, when they have that meat, that uh, that gross meal with chilled monkey brains and all that, <laughs> like the prime minister, like the Indian prime minister says, well, you know, you're a grave robber. Aren't you wanted in this country and that country? And even in Temple of, or in, in, in Last Crusade, when the uh, the rich guy hires him to go looking for the grail, he knows who he is. Everyone knows this man is a grave robber. So, of course, Army Intelligence does. So, yeah, maybe, so maybe it's partly he knows Abner and part and partially that he he's a grave robber. He, he's willing to do what it takes. It's, it's it's his area. He knows he knows the head guy, and he's got the questionable morals. Yeah, he's willing to do what it takes to get what you need. So he's you know, right. And so yeah, so he you know he agrees to go hunting for the Ark, and they get on the plane that will one day be used by Arnold Schwarzenegger to fly to Valverde. Right. Uh, but right now it's still a uh, it's still a passenger plane for Pan Pan American before they just became Pan Am, and before they went bankrupt that was you know twenty years ago. But whatever, it was nice that they used a real name for an airline. And he gets on the plane and gets on with someone gets on with him who is absolutely not a spy, no way, in his three piece suit with the black fedora hiding behind the Time magazine, and he flies from the east coast of the U.S. all the way to Nepal which I got to think was like a four or five day journey at least in that crappy little prop driven plane. Yeah, probably. And, you know, several connecting flights. And he never notices apparently that the, the guy in the black suit hiding, you know, constantly hiding behind the uh, Time magazine is following him. Clearly a 
master of the covert ops. Yes, clearly. And I'm sure Nepal was a highly sought after location back in 1936. Oh, so totally, totally. I mean, that plane was so full, hundreds of people. You get lost in a crowd. So yeah, I think the plane had. I think the plane I, had 30 passengers in it. I think yeah. another thing here that is pretty iconic to the Indiana Jones movies is this is the first time we see him traveling. Yeah. Where the where you can kind of see the plane and the yeah background they they, they show the map, map with the red lines yeah and then there's the scene of him on the yeah him on the plane and the the footage of the the mountains or the, the ocean and yeah this is a very you know from my childhood it's something that other movies have done it but yeah not I don't even think very, Spielberg's the first I think it, he probably stole that one and that's yeah. fine like it's, it's very adventurous and very Indiana Jones like and then you, of course they play the Indiana Jones the Raiders movie, March the yeah Raiders March while it goes so kind of a really cool scene it's the first actually time. it's not the Raiders March it's its own music it's different oh the, the traveling the, the, the music, traveling traveling music, music yeah. which So, but that's, uh, you know, just an, a funny or a, a memorable part of this movie it, is an it, iconic well, part well, of this Well, that's movie. why we're doing this movie. It's, it's filled with so many, that's why this is the first episode. There's so many iconic moments. The, the music's iconic. Many of the things that are done are iconic. And they're not necessarily original. It's that Spielberg does them so damn well. Right. You know, so the next scene that we see is in Nepal in, in the middle of a drinking contest where we meet Marion Ravenwood, who is Abner's daughter we learned how to we'd already sort of knew had an affair with indiana when she was probably 16 17 he'd been a grad student so i'm gonna guess he's 23 ish so 19 in the 19 that would have been in the 1920s that's that certainly wasn't a problem but it did it is what caused the split between them between abner and and indy yeah so we see that she runs this bar and she's having a drinking contest with the with this uh this uh, Nepalese native with his curly red hair and, and, and pasty white skin. You find a lot of them in... in, in, in might, in, might be a, a, a British expat or something. You know, or, or an extra that they hired or, for the movie. Yeah. You know, one or the other. Or just some giant... Dude, are you doing anything today? We need someone for the drinking contest scene. Come on, come on, come on. Maybe he was just in the bar at the time. And they were like, hey, can, we just need, can you fill in for this scene for us? Yeah, it's possible, whatever it is. I mean, it's kind of funny. <laughs> we'll, because, we'll buy you a few shots. Yeah, 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 you know, despite, on us. yeah, despite the fact that she's probably 120 pounds soaking wet, yeah. uh, she's, well, we learn, has a drinking problem, it seems. <laughs> but she can she can throw back that alcohol. And she beats him in, 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 the, in the drinking contest and in, you know, in a really funny way because he drinks that last shot. And you know, he has this look like, ha-ha, and then he just keeps... And down he goes. He just keeps. He, he leans back in his chair and just keeps leaning. And 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 yeah. off he goes. And she throws everyone out of the bar so she can clean up. And the door opens. And we get another one of these great silhouettes. She's standing against the wall, and then in reflect, you know, and then his his shadow is projected on the wall. I don't know where that light's coming from. Is he standing in the doorway? He's not standing behind a fire. And it's nighttime. And it's nighttime. And it's nighttime. Yeah. But we get the great shadow of him again with the the, the hat and the the shoulders and the whole nine yards. It's the you know the iconic indie look and she decks him the first thing she does is deck him. that's a hell of a punch she sees him and she punches him in the face yeah and again it's like all the other sound effects it's a little too loud so it sounds like she beat a piece of meat with a like a, a baseball bat how he's not spitting teeth i don't know but 
he kind of rolls with it because, yeah, he deserved it and he knows it. Yeah. Though he's a callous dick about it. Like, yeah, you knew what you were doing. I was a child. Yeah, you knew. Like, dude, he's kind of a dick about it. But that's that's him, right? Like, Sometimes that's self-defense, though. But Yeah, so then he goes on to explain... You know what I, he needs, I, and I need this this medallion. You know, is one you know, and she's like, yeah, I think I I think my father talked about it. Or she kind of downplays. Which well, says I know the one, but I don't have it with me. Yeah, come back tomorrow. Yeah, so he uh, he pieces out of the bar, and she, and this is leaving three thousand dollars behind. Oh yeah, with a promise of two thousand more, more in states. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So so he he leaves, and then she continues to clean up, and, and in the meantime, she goes and sits and pulls out this medallion that she's wearing. So obviously, yeah, this he, is closer to her than. Well, that's probably what she has of her father, because we learned that Abner's dead. Yeah, though they never say why. No, yeah. they I, just, again, I just imagine him dying alone somewhere. Yeah, I, you know. I always assumed he died on the job. Yeah, but which whatever, was how she got stuck, stuck in, in Nepal. Nepal yeah, clearly this is not her. Well, that's why she wants more money. Aspiration. Yeah, you know, that's why she wants more money because he throws her three thousand bucks. Which look in nineteen thirty six, you could buy a nice house for three thousand dollars. And she says, he says this will get you back. He says, yeah, but not in style. And that's when he says, well, there'll be there's two thousand more for you when we get back to the states. So she thinks she's going back to the states with him. I mean, not necessarily to be with him, but they will travel together where she will provide him with more, or he will provide her with more money. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, so he's stuck there, and you know, he's got the medallion and. Then we get to see the next silhouette. Yeah, she takes off the medallion yeah. and ends up hanging it on like a log on the table or something. Well, yeah, like it's yeah. a it's a lantern, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's she wooden. makes her decision and puts down the medallion and keeps the money. Yeah, she puts yeah. it in the, in the in the cash box. Yeah, and then the door opens again and another silhouette. But now this is the big bad. Well, he's actually kind of short, but yeah, it's yeah the, the <laughs> Mr. absolute Mr. Not a Spy. Yeah, Mr. Not a Spy and his German associate. Who's just just like him? Like that's the one thing about these German spies—they're all impeccably dressed, and some local thugs, who may just have left the bar. You never know. Yeah. And yeah, so they take a little more aggressive stance because they're German, and like I said, this guy says everything. But we have ways of making you talk. Tell me where is the microfilm? Everything but that. And then they reach and they reach for the hot poker to make the point. And as you pointed out, that's like the hottest wood fire ever. That this iron poker, just putting it in the fire for a few seconds. Turns it like a glowing orange. So yeah. apparently they're forging Conan's sword in, in, in this forge. A, a fire composed of peat squares and wood. Yeah, and, and yeah, but, but they're doing. They're like I said, they're forging iron. They're they're forging uh, Conan's sword in there, yeah. and and it's a cool shot. I, I commented on this in the movie where we have the camera over Marion's shoulder, and this Mister Not a Spy, who I'm sure we should probably give a name to at some point, but whatever. They look like they're almost nose to nose, and when the spy holds the poker up between them, it looks like it's super close. But in the next shot, Indy, Indy has appeared at the bar, and he whips it out of his hand, and they're nowhere near each other. But it's a neat It's scene. a cool shot. Yeah. yeah, and then there's that fight, and again, the, the, Indy's pistol sounds like it's a freaking hand cannon. And the bad guy's, you know, standard German hand, you know, MP2 machine gun sounds like it's a 50, 50 cal mounted on a tank. Everything is too loud, but it's awesome. Yeah, well, and in the meantime, the poker flips into the corner, and lands like, under the curtains, and instantly starts them on well, fire. Well, this is what happens when, you, when you, you douse everything in gasoline, you know, to keep the cold out. Right. That's right. that's for, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. It's the same reason every, like, every, car, like every house is lined with gunpowder. You know, for insulation, it's you know, it's, yeah, yeah. It's it's cheaper than the pink stuff. Yeah, and the hot know. poker had been out of the fire at this point for a 
couple five, minutes. Five couple minutes, minutes yeah. but it's still glowing red hot and yeah. starts those curtains instantly. Again, that's what happens when you yeah. when you paint that's, with kerosene. This is why the yeah. building codes change so much over time. <laughs> Because you're not allowed to build with, or you're not allowed to do that anymore. Flammable materials. You, you yeah. could you could save a few bucks on your next in the next yeah, house exactly. you build right now. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, so there's a really cool fight, and it and it, and, and it's 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 humorous. Like it's a, it's a violent fight. Like people get shot in the face. There's blood everywhere. You hear every bullet hit with a thud or a ping if it hits something else, and yet there's humor in it. Like when Indy's pinned against the bar, being you know, getting the shit beat out of him by this big thug, and Marion's hiding behind the bar, and he looks at her whiskey and she hands him the bottle and you know crash over the head and well and the one where she's hiding behind the bar and someone shoots towards her and hits the bottle of scotch or whatever's on the bar and the booze is pouring out of it and, and she, she drinks yeah the, bar- yeah. the barrel of scotch yeah, yeah. Like, because she's an alcoholic she needs a hit she's like oh well it's mostly just a funny scene like oh yeah. let's not let this go to don't, waste, don't waste I, it, yeah. i've seen that i think i've seen that like in a bugs bunny cartoon I mean, that's that's not the first time i think i would do that I wouldn't well, drink, yeah. but yeah. So one mouthful of that, I'd be under the table. What but then I'm, a, yeah, I'm a teetotaler, but so. But yeah, it is. It's kind of this chaotic, funny fight. That but you always know violent. what's going on. But yeah. you always know what's going on. Like there's at one point, and this is like the next big shadow where we see um, Indy struggling with a guy with a with a pistol, and then we see the shadow of Mister Not a Spy and his buddy, and he says, "Shoot them both." And Indy and the other guy sort of look up and they both point the weapon and, and kill the German. Because, yeah, a second ago he was fighting Indy, but now he's about to get gunned down yeah. by his boss. So do something. But this is where Mr. Not a Spy spots the, the medallion. He grabs it. It scorches his hand and he runs off. And we see later that it burns a perfect replica into his hand, which is funny because he's kind of a small guy. He's a smallish guy. Yeah. I don't imagine his hands are particularly big. And that medallion ain't small. So either they, the casting called for a short guy with like super big hands, you know, the kind of hands that you know, Donald Trump wished he had, <laughs> or they shrunk the medallion or, hey, they cheated. Yes. One or the other. Someone else. It also healed really fast. like And for, perfectly. For a third degree burn to heal with that kind of... Perfection and that, yeah. Perfection and speed. That was impressive. Yeah, yeah that, was, uh, that, was, that was impressive. Speaking as a medic, I know it doesn't work that way. His hand would have really, been a balloon yeah. for days. Yeah, so at that point, the place has burned down. And they have the they have the medallion, and she says, "Okay, well now you've got a partner until I got my money." She's only in this for the money. She doesn't care about the trinkets. She doesn't care about the ark. She wants out of Nepal. She was, wouldn't you? <laughs> if I was working, well, I'm sure Nepal's a nice place for the Nepalese, but I don't like the cold. But yeah, so they fly off to Cairo, where they meet Sulla, who informs them that the Germans have a massive excavation of which he is, I'm guessing, a foreman. I don't... Seems reasonable, yeah. Yeah, he's a foreman of, or something. I knew the Germans would hire you, Sala. You're the best digger in Egypt. My services are entirely inconsequential to them. You hired or shanghaied every digger in Cairo. The excavation is enormous. They hire only strongbacks and they pay pennies for them. It's as if the pharaohs had returned. When did they find the map room? Three days ago. They have not one brain among them. Except one. He's very clever. He's a French archaeologist. What's his name? Well, we call him Baloche. <laughs> Belloc. Belloc. It's kind of cool that we're introduced to the bad guy. Like, that's the whole purpose of that first scene, first, you know, the, like the Mayan stuff, is that we get to meet the bad guy. Also, we get to see it's a rollicking adventure. Um, 
I'm sure that was a requirement. You, you will make a film that is a rollicking adventure and a romance and all this, you know. It's it's just fuel for little kids' imaginations. Yes, absolutely. Like, and that's the whole movie is just Im- Im- imagination fuel. Yeah. Well, and to start a movie like that, to lead into this adventure movie, it start it, you kind of have that feeling the whole time, and then they're on this advent. It's like a constant adventure. It, it, they it's obviously filmed incredibly well. But oh yeah, it's they uh, so they're in Cairo. They're talking about Belloc. Yeah, and they meet on his yeah. rooftop. Yeah, and uh, in, in, is, in the heat, yeah. he's got like seventy-two kids running around. Like this yeah. is like a day home, or so I, I don't know what's going on. But there's <laughs> so, this monkey, there's no TV there. This yeah. monkey running around, and and it's it's funny because it, it's yeah, a little pet, little yeah, pet, they, spider monkey. Is that what they're called, or like uh, squirrel monkey? Squirrel, squirrel monkey, monkey, something. Yeah, yeah. Tiny, tiny little thing. Spider monkey. I don't yeah. know. But, Everyone has seen the movie who's watched this. Otherwise, what the hell are you listening for? Knows, so, yeah. yeah, knows who the monkey is, and and you know it's get that monkey out of here. The mom says, and then it's like, oh, I think it's cute. Well, then it can stay, and and it turns out that it belongs to this. Absolutely not a bad, yeah. Yeah, bad yeah. guy. Hey, he's not a bad guy. He just has a black eye patch and, and, and uh, a goatee and, and a goatee and wears dark clothes. Yeah. He's absolutely and not a bad guy. Yeah, yeah. And so. so they go off to the market, and this is actually this is where the running joke in the film is: anytime we see Nazi uh, imagery or not anything Nazi-like, it's mocked. So this evil, absolutely not a villain who owns the monkey is cornered by the two German agents that he clearly works for, and he goes Zichael, and they put their hand up, and then the monkey does it. And the German agent, just on reflex, he raises returns the salute. He, he returns the salute. Not the hand straight out, but the sort of the hand up. And it's... Like, it, 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 it's clearly very mocking. Oh, and it's funny, because during the movie, you said something that's interesting. And, and back to that bar scene we were talking about, and, and throughout the movie, is when things are serious, Spielberg has a way of introducing just enough comedy to lighten the mood and that that's another without example. ruining it yeah. if you can feel that that market scene which we talked about this during the movie we thought it was kind of two different scenes but it, it turns out that it kind of all just happens in the market and yeah uh you you feel the tension building and there's going to be this serious and yet there's the fight monkey. and scene and then the monkey happens and it's just enough to not be a distraction stupid yeah. comedy it's kind of humorous and it's a reminder it's it, a wink yeah. to the audience don't worry guys it's it just lightens an adventure. the lightens the adventure yeah it, it, you know spielberg the, the, another example of it would be there and a few yeah. of the things we talked about yeah so, so they make the play on marion and there's the hijinks with her you know she has a frying pan to defend against the guy with a knife and she wins by running into a darkened doorway and hear this <laughs> bang <laughs> and down he goes and she tries to hide in a you know a wicker basket is a wicker yeah, big big basket big yeah. basket and she hides it and the, and the monkey gives gives her away yeah. and then it becomes a chase with indiana jones chasing these two guys dressed in white with black face coverings uh, in guys. and out of doorways in and out of doorways and through alleyways and three million of the exact same yeah basket. And, I, and i remember i said i said like i in my in my as a kid i i just maybe it's from being a kid and seeing this movie so many times i had my image that he walked into the marketplace thinking he caught up with this basket with Marion in it and I thought there was like hundreds of them but it's only a couple dozen maybe it's it's you know it's it was cheaper to film that way than having to you know I guess if George Lucas did ever dared to try to do a special edition it would you'd be a million of them looking off into the endless distance no no, that's never going to happen and George Lucas tried to rename the movie Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark and Spielberg would not have it Um, he's the director so it's his call ultimately but yeah so they, he does manage to finally chase down Marion, who's been loaded in the back of a truck that conveniently has signs that say, Danger Explosives. Because the thing is packed with more dynamite than Bugs Bunny would jam into the back of a truck. Well, during the chase, we, the 
most important. Oh fight right, scene. the 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 fight the scene. Fight scene the fight scene. Yeah. <laughs> the guy comes out of the woodwork with his sword, and he's got all these fancy moves, and he's doing all this stuff with the sword. And Indiana's like, "Ain't nobody got time for that." And he pulls out his gun and just shoots, shoots him, yeah. the guy. <laughs> And that was, you know, they actually filmed the fight. You can go onto YouTube, and maybe we'll link to it. You go onto YouTube, you can see that thing. You can see the, the fight, and it's not a very good fight. And my understanding is that, like, driving to the set one morning, Harrison Ford talked to one of the producers who he was driving with and said, can I just shoot him? Can I, like, I don't have time for this crap. Can we just shoot this guy? And it worked, and they kept it. And it's, you know, it's one of those happy accidents in in movies where it wasn't meant to happen that way, like the, the stormtrooper banging his head on the door. It, it's so incompetent in Star Wars, but it's sort of like, it makes these people seem a little more realistic. Not everyone's perfect. But it, it, it fits in the Spielberg style too, right? Yeah. It's, you know, it's kind of big, big serious moment and all of a sudden, bang. Yeah. And a reminder to your kids, number two, number one, don't lick poisonous darts. Yes, that's Number true. two is, don't show up to a, a knife fight or with a gunfight with a knife. Yeah. <laughs> no matter how good you are with that knife. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that, so that's a cool scene. So yeah. So then they load her in the back of the truck and it's filled with explosives and it, you know, he, she guns down the driver, uh, Indy, and the thing flips over and explodes and Marion is presumably dead. So he goes off to a hookah bar to get shit faced with his monkey and, or not maybe with his monkey, in the presence the, of the, the monkey. The monkey follows. Yeah. The monkey He's follows. his monkey in a bar. <laughs> We're editing that out. <laughs> Wait a second. What movie were we watching? <laughs> yeah. This is, not, this is not the porn parody, Remy. And, uh, yeah, and this is where we discovered that inside is waiting Rene Belloc, uh, Belloc, who has a really, like you said, a, one of the most, believe it or not, the most, one of the most inspiring things I heard that made me go out and get a history degree comes from the bad guy of a movie. It's sort of like in Legend, who's my favorite character? Darkness. Uh, and he says, he pulls out this pocket watch and he says, this is worthless. It's $10 from Street Vendor, but I bury it in the desert for a thousand years and it's priceless. And I always thought it was really cool, just the idea that an item by virtue of its age is worthwhile. Like a Gutenberg Bible page. University of Calgary owns one. One page. It is priceless. It's, it's a Bible. You can go buy one of those for probably two bucks. At a, uh, you, you can find a Bible. It's, it's Stay at a hotel. Free in any hotel. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take one out of the um, site. So it's, yeah. not that the, it's not that the text is important. It's that it's a Gutenberg Bible page. It's the first printed book in, in the Western world. And they're incredibly rare. And it's, at this point, 500 years old. That's the value of it. It's not the text. It could be the Gutenberg funny pages. And so I always thought it was kind of neat. Indiana Jones realizes that he's surrounded by people with guns. And he says, let's go meet God together. Because at this point, we realize Rene Belloc actually believes that the Ark is, what was he called, a radio for talking to God. Right. Like, he thinks this is powerful. He doesn't think this is, like, Rene Belloc has bought into the occult, not the occultism, that's not fair, into the magical thinking of this artifact. Right. There, you know, there, there's some there's substance power. to the mythology. Yeah. Whereas I think Indy wants it because it's a historical artifact. I don't think he buys in that it's a you know, it's something that will wipe out whole armies. He just wants to think because it's an amazing artifact to get. Right. Rene Belloc believes it is what it is. He thinks it's all powerful. And he'll give it to De Fuhrer, as he says, but after he's, he, after he's done with it, which makes you wonder whether he ever actually plans to give it to the Nazis. Guns are drawn, and Sulla's army of children flocks in to, uh, to save him, and Sulla takes him to the old man who chose him, you know, who reads the the piece of the what do you call it the, the piece of the medallion, uh, the, the, the medallion. The medallion yeah. and they figure out that it's a certain length and that because 
the Nazis only have one half of it because we've missed the part where the Mr. Absolutely Not a Spy shows up at the Nazi camp. His name is Tot. Tot? You looked it up? T-O-H-T. Tot. Okay. Tot. 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 He, he didn't even get a second name. He got... Well, it's, one... last, it's his last name, Tot. Well, that's all he got. Yeah, okay, so Tot. He's not Mr. Tot. He's yeah. not well, he Tater did, Tot. He, he, oh. <laughs> it's just Tot. And we're done. Next week on <laughs> We Came From The 80s. Now, yeah, so so Agent Tot has shown up with, um, and he, he does the Zeke Heil, you know, Heil Hitler, he says. And, you know, God, I, 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 <laughs> he does the Heil Hitler thing, and we see on his hand is the, the burned-in... Imprint. Uh, imprint, but only half of it. So uh, you know, so they realize that night at the uh, at the old man's house, they're digging in the wrong place. Because right. the measurement for the staff is wrong. Yeah, because on the other side it said take off one whatever, one one foot off in honor of the Hebrew God whose ark this is. What about the height of the staff? So did Bella get it off of here? Yes, it is here. This was the old way. This means six kadam height. About seventy-two inches. Wait. And take back one Kadam to honor the Hebrew God whose ark this is. And I'd mentioned the movie, I thought this was really cool, the idea that they recognized that the ancients respected each other's religions, and that despite the fact that the Egyptians obviously did not pray to the God of the Israelites, they were scared of him. Right. They, were, they created a, you know, they did something, and out of respect for him, take, you know, there's, there's, part of the code is, of how to build the Staff of Ra is... A mention of respect give, for, give, for give some back. Yeah, give some back in respect for the you know for the Jewish God whose ark this is. And they put the ark we learn in this immense temple. So despite the fact that the Egyptians at one point had taken this damn thing, they still built this glorious temple around it. So they, they they're fearful of its power more so than any of the modern people are, which is I think what costs the Germans in the end. They don't respect it. Um, you know, bad Michael Bay movie, The Rock, where he can't, where, you know, what's his name? Bad right? movie. Fair that was an awesome that movie. Was shit movie. So good. But there's a point where, uh, where what's his name, hands uh, Sean Connery this bomb and says, the minute you stop respecting this, it kills you. And I think that's what it is with uh, with The Ark. And, and The Rock is a bad movie. Live with it. And no, no, no. <laughs> the Rock had a bad cast. At one of my least favorite actors well, of yeah. the 20th century who uh, anyway, uh, yeah. does phenomenal Nicholas. movies. Yeah. <sighs> <sighs> Moving on. And it wasn't Sean Connery. Connery. No, I, I love Sean Connery. Nicholas Cage, but yeah. anyway, anyway, but, but, but the whole idea is if it you know if it doesn't uh, <laughs> if it doesn't you know if it doesn't if you if you stop respecting this it kills you, and it's clear the ancients respected this arc because there's a lot of high regard that goes into even how they handled what is a stolen object, and so they go out to the the map room in what is my second favorite scene in all of cinema, which is the map. Like I could play the clip from that, and there's no talking, and it's still it's mesmerizing because you get the arc music in full bloom. He's got the, you know, the the staff with the with the, the piece on top and the light coming down through the ceiling and aims in on the uh, on this gorgeous model of the city of Tanis, which we have learned at the beginning of the film, was swallowed up by the gods in a sandstorm that lasted a whole year. And here's this image of it, and we see that the the Germans have already written in paint on it because they're looking for the you know the, the well of souls as well. There's a name for you, the well of souls, the coolest name ever if you're 14, or in my case, seven. And then, and this is where they discover that Marion is alive, and being the dick he is, he leaves her tied up in the tent because otherwise, the guards will be called out and he won't be able to go get the ark. Really, a, 
a dick move. He's just trying to finish the mission. Uh, okay. And saving the girl was not as important as finding the ark at this point. You're married, right? Yeah. Like you, 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 you have yeah, a woman. You have a woman who chooses to live with you, right? Yeah, like, but I'm not a grave robber. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And he said he'd come back. Oh well, yeah. that's totally cool then. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. And it's like an ex-wife, so maybe he in the back of his head. He or ex-girlfriend, like, yeah. Or ex-girlfriend. He's like, well, nah, he still loves you. Two can maybe hit two birds with one stone. Yeah, this it, doesn't go right. It's pretty clear, even in that market scene, that they're yeah. back together. Like, and then she's accepted that. Like, yeah. she's they have unfinished business, and that it's it's they very quickly fall into the boyfriend girlfriend mold once they're in the in that market. Yeah, so so she she gets left behind, and he goes off with Sulla to dig, and. Then we get sort of interdispersed between them digging out the top of the Well of Souls, like like into the ceiling, and the the scene in the tent with Rene Belloc, who frees Marion, gives her this slinky white dress and heels to wear. Because heels work in sand, right? Oh, yeah, really well. To- to- yeah. Really well, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, she decides to drink him under the table, which we already, you know, foreshadowing. We There's know. another foreshadow. Yeah. yeah. She's going to drink. The other thing it shows here with her is it shows like she's she's crafty. She's going to use her environment to yeah. survive. And in this case, it's I can drink them under the table and I can escape. And there's a point where she grabs the butter knife off the dinner table. And, you yeah. know, she's that's she's actually very, one of the first things she does. Yeah. yeah. Is, is this attempt to escape. And so she's very uh, she's crafty. And yeah. so she's not an 80s does, girl. Why does she put this point? ridiculous yeah. dress on? Well, because that's what she feels she needs to do to get it. Well, to, to relax him. Yeah. To get yeah. Out. otherwise yeah. he's not going to otherwise it's a fight. And she and she it's put her, she put her old clothes on top of the knife. Well, uh, yeah, and, right. yeah. I guess it would have been. An, I mean, I said, we were talking the movie like, why is she in that? But if she'd said no, it would have been an argument. But now she gets to wear the dress, whatever. Earning and, trust. Earning trust, she, and he'll drink with. She his, asks him what he's got to drink. Yeah, and it's so, his own personal vintage, which I don't know what the hell that stuff was. It looked like water to me, but was it in a wine bottle? Yeah, it's from his personal vintage, but I was pretty sure there was Arabic writing on the right, label. Right, and they were sh- shooting it like hard liquor. Yeah, I don't nice know. Nice wine. It's always right. It's always Saki. <laughs> Saki from, Saki, from 1930s yeah. France. Okay, yeah, exactly, sure. Right, moving yeah. on. Uh, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And at the same time, we're watching the digging and we get another iconic look at Indiana Jones when he sheds his, you know, the, ro- the Arab robes he's been using as a disguise to move throughout the camp. And on comes the hat yeah. with, the, with the burning setting sun in the distance and that rocks. And overhead, you get the scary weather from Poltergeist with the with the the thunder and the lightning and all that sort of stuff. And they, you know, they're prying off this uh, stone cover, which you know sort of opens up a skylight into the Well of Souls, and it's all super serious. And then the lightning goes, and you see the scary uh, Face, statue, yeah. Face and, again. and 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 Sala goes. Sorry, Indy. It's one of those things, you know, I said the super serious, and let's tweak that just a bit. Yeah. Let, let me poke you and remind you it's just a silly adventure. And second foreshadowing almost at the same time is, why is the floor moving? Yeah, what, Indy, why does the floor yeah. move? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like snakes. It had to be snakes. Like, Part two of the snake. Yeah. Yeah, and again, my question is, how do that many snakes, and because the floor is nothing but snakes, how do that many snakes survive in the desert with no source of food? But why? Well, because the handlers brought them in that morning for filming. Duh. Whatever, it's one of those things, you accept it. It's it's like the, the the tarantulas or the icky bugs in the next movie. It's it's what's next, or the rats in the uh, the Venice sewers in uh, oh, yeah, in Last yeah. Crusade. Right. It's the next. It's it's just it's something icky, and that's all it is. It's part that's of that it. adventure. It's a part. Yeah, of the, yeah. It's, it's the gross out part of the, in the adventure. Yeah, it's the gross yeah. out part of the adventure that's only gross because you think it's gross. Yeah. You know, it's so yeah. Fair enough. And 
they you know they drop down torches and they they you know they pump gasoline on all of these all of these snakes i'm sure peta has a screaming fit every time they think of that movie Poor and, snakes. yeah well i'm sure they didn't kill any snakes in no, this movie, yes. but then there's the neat thing where he lands and he's in the he's face to face with the cobra which of course we know he had a glass between him because cobras Harris, are bad cobras are bad <laughs> and harrison ford didn't want to die just to make a film He's not a method actor. So they find the Ark. In the meantime, you know, Rene is still getting drunk and uh, Rene Belloc and, and, and Marion are still getting drunk. But they find the Ark and it's like this super heavy case. Like, how do these two guys lift this stone? Yeah, the, the big stone cap. On it, the... it looked like it was, it must have weighed a, t- a ton. Oh, yeah. Really, it was made of paper mache. So I guess it was easy for them to lift. Really? Um, and so then they lift out the Ark. And we only sort of see, like, it's, it's a really iconic scene with the two of them because they have, you know, it's sort of two poles, one on each side, and they put it on their shoulders, and they lift it up, and we get to see the Ark in all of its glory. But then the next time we see it, it's, again, in shadow. He doesn't use it to symbolize stuff. It just looks cool to see something iconic cast a shadow on the wall, regardless of what the light allows for. It looks cool. Right. We see Indy that way. We see Tot that way, Mr. Non-A-Spy. We see Indy again that way when he's digging the, uh, when they're digging up the, the Well of Souls. We get to see this a lot. And they have the Ark sort of hauled up to the surface. And then who, what do we discover? Eh, Belloc. Hello! Hello! Why, Dr. Jones, whatever are you doing in such a nasty place? Because at this point, Marion's tried to escape and Tot has shown up to catch her because he's not an idiot. And they throw Marion in the Well of Souls and seal them in. Well, shit. Belloc sure seems to make a habit of standing there as Indy solves the puzzle to take the treasure. Yeah, well, he's happy to do that. Yeah. Um, I mean, believe me, he's not happy that Indy's around. Once again, though, he's not doing the dirty work. No, he's got he's got the... He, I mean, he's there as an archaeological advisor. Yeah. He doesn't want to get his hands dirty. No. He's got these thugs to... Right. Indy, Indy solves the puzzle. He takes the treasure. Yeah, pretty much. So, and it doesn't work for him in the end, though, apparently. That's his own poor choice. Yeah, looking into the Ark and pissing off God. This is where, unfortunately, Marion becomes a girl. Yeah, she stops being cool and strong and... Becomes an 80s girl. And a person, and turns into... And and that could be because she's in the the company of Indiana Jones and might just... But she was fine during the fight. I mean, during the fight in the market, she she got pretty aggressive. I think it's because her heels fell off. One, that, just one. That, yeah, right. Have is that what happens? A girl loses a heel and she just loses in, it. In Have you ever tried to walk with one heel on? Well, I gotta say, I've never actually tried to walk with heels. Oh, but... oh so really? I hear that. Huh. Yeah, I know it's yeah. weird that way. Everyone should try that once. Gives you a new respect for women that can walk in heels. I prefer women who don't walk in heels. That's uh, yeah, I am, I am not one. <laughs> I was like, why are you? Why are you wearing something that's uncomfortable? Wouldn't you be happier in you know flats? In flats? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care how tall you are. Get over it. <laughs> So, so yeah, so she kind of runs around and panics. And she turns into an 80s girl. He finds yeah. a column that... Well, it's that statue. It's that, it's that, much. Yeah, it's that statue. Yeah, those things can't... Like, I don't know what they made those things out of. Like, honestly, like an actual... Like, I, I know the ones out, in the outdoors would have been made of stone, but maybe the, the inside ones were made of plaster. I don't know. But it certainly seemed like stone because it takes down a freaking wall when he manages to sort of rock it back and forth <laughs> and it knocks out a wall. And they go through the wall and we get to see, you know, the... Once they break out the wall and Marion sort of moves into the sort of new chamber in the Well of Souls, all these bodies start piling on her. And it, you, you I mean, we watched Poltergeist yesterday. It's the same scene, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's the same look. I and mean, those films were made, I think, one after the other. And it's Spielberg, you know, where the, the bodies sort of fall in on you and you hear this sort of howling and it looks like the heads are moving towards you. But really, it's just the bodies being floppy because they're 
you know, thousands, yeah. thousands yeah. of years old. Um, they're just, you know, skeletons that are sort of moving, and the howling is just the wind. Hindi! Because they found an out, and there's you know there's airflow, and it freaks her out. Indy digs her out, and they wind up on this airfield, which again makes me wonder. All they had to do is push out a stone, and they're right there on an airfield. Like, did no one in that Nazi airfield go? I wonder what's on the other side of that rock there. Yeah, that can't be. That can't, that can't be. be the well of souls. Yeah. So let's not look. Let's it's, not look. It's yeah. too obvious. Yeah. 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 Like they're digging everywhere, but they can't move a rock and explore. But okay, but yeah. So then we get to this is where we learn that the the ark's gonna be loaded on this plane, which is not a real plane. There are no planes that look like that. This weird flying wing, which I'm certain would you know if we were in the Captain America movie, that's what they looked at. They're like let's let's use the one from Raiders. That's a cool look. And then we get that fight with because every action movie has to have the one bad guy who's just there to be big and be hard to fight physically. So. Hey, good enough. Come here. Come on, I always assumed as a kid that he was just some boxer who got drafted into the German army. And that, that boxing match, or, you know, that, that boxing match, again, it's proof that Indiana Jones never quite does anything right. He gets his ass kicked by this guy. Yep. It's not even, it's not even a fair fight. This, this guy, like he spends his time running around under the, the plane, avoiding the big German bald guy because the big German bald guy punched him once and he, his legs you actually see it. his legs go wobbly and he drops like a sack of flour. It's really quite funny. But in the end, he has an unfortunate accident with a propeller. Which, again, was perpetuated by Marion knocking a guy onto the stick. Well, no, she, sh the... she shot the, remember, she snuck, oh. in, she snuck in through the gunner's pod, right. shot the pilot who leaned forward on the throttle. And just spun it around. So Yeah, the, the plane's spinning around because the, the, one of the brakes is off and one of them is on. So Indiana Jones, who's screwed up again is about to get finished and then this guy gets yeah but in the meantime she's locked yeah in the meantime of course marion has started a fire but she got into the gunner's pod and started gunning down these german reinforcements who are driving up to the to the, to the flight pad on uh in trucks blows them up and of course they've knocked over a uh, uh or they've sorry they've torn open a, a fuel truck so of course you have another fire which instantly ignites of course yeah, exactly. And then just like in all the movies, gasoline explodes, which by the way, it doesn't actually do, but okay. And yeah, so she, and then she gets trapped in the, in the plane and he shoots and he shoots to get her out and they sort of run off just as the, the plane explodes. At which point Dietrich, the head, the German colonel or whatever he has realizes, well, I guess we better move this thing out on, let's move this arc out on truck. And we get that, you know, and now we have a chase scene with the freaking Wilhelm scream. <laughs> Which, again, if you want to take me out of a film, you put in the Wilhelm scream. But it's a cool, it's a cool chase, I think. Oh, it's one of my favorites. You know, with him on a, with, with Indy on a, on a horse and then getting onto the back of the truck and, you know, hijacking the truck by essentially beating up the driver and then the, the troops in the back of the truck coming along the sides and, you know, there's a back and forth who controls the truck and who's being thrown in front of the truck and... 
who's holding on to the hood ornament and who climbs underneath who, and yeah, breaks climb, through the windshield. Yeah, and, exactly. It's sort of it ends with him, you know, him in charge of, you know, him in control of this truck with the ark. But again, the only reason he actually gets away Indy gets away with the Ark is that Sala is waiting in Omar's garage where he's been told, Indy has told him to meet him. Mm-hmm. And he drives the truck, which conveniently just fits in the garage. And then they drop the, you know, they drop the, uh, the door down and they move in all the carts and all these people are waiting to pretend like they're going about their normal lives when the Germans finally catch up with them. If, you know, if, if Sala hadn't been there for him, again, Indy would have been just... Out of gas. Out and, of, and screwed. Yeah, and screwed with... Yeah. yeah so. so then, you know, Sala loads him on this... What was it? Was it a freighter? Freighter. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. With, with Captain Katanga, who would later go on to work in the Ministry of Magic, we learn. Everybody uh, calls him a, a, a pirate. Well, I think they just mean that in like, or uh, just a in like you term. damn pirates. Yeah. I think I think it's meant as an epithet. I don't well, think it's meant as literally like yar. Or maybe yeah. he's the guy that you can pay to. Well, you know, in fact, he is the guy you almost, can pay. Almost like uh, the funny thing is, almost like Harrison Ford in Star Wars. He's the guy that all has the store, the smuggler. Yeah, he's just yeah, yeah he's, he's just he's just he's a scumbag and. I mean, he seems like a pretty nice guy. He, she certainly shows Indiana Jones respect. Mm-hmm. Gives them his cabin, the whole nine yards. And there's that really adorable scene in the cabin, one of the few romantic scenes you'll see where, you know, she's trying to fix him because he's, you know, he's been, at this point, he's been shot in the arm. He's had the snot beat out of him and he's not indestructible. And there's the funny thing with the, you know, with the mirror where, you know, he's he's sitting there and, she, you know, she says, oh, this mirror is really dirty. And she flips it over and she smacks him. And the sound is like you said, you know, the, the shot is like from a nautical mile away from the uh, <laughs> from, from the boat. And we can still hear the screaming. And yet she looks over. Did you say something? What'd you say? And then his cue is like, you know, where doesn't it hurt? And he says, well, here and here and here. And eventually he leads her, you know, leads her to his lips. And then he probably falls asleep, falls asleep. But, you know well he's had a hard day it's, it's realism yeah 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 <laughs> she had kissed me looking like that i'm pretty sure i would have found a way to stay awake but maybe not after i'd been shot and beaten up by nazis i don't know you know and this is where we see this really cool scene this is where we we start to this is actually the first example of supernatural in the film we see the we see the the ark in its crate which has had painted on it property of the german wehrmacht with the nazi eagle and the swastika and we see the swastika spontaneously no fire you'll just, notice it just it blackens chars, it chars yeah. yeah there's no fire and there's no smoke well it just shows at that point it just shows the swastika yeah but we'll burning. see later that every every square millimeter of that nazi black paint with the you know, property of the world, it's all burned over. And the same thing, the rest of the, the crate is perfectly fine. There was no smoke. But all we heard is this interesting thrumming music. And then we see the burning. And then the next day we realize God has burned. I used to think it was the Ark itself that had done it. Yeah, but that suggests the Ark had agency, and I don't know. That's, that's, that's seven-year-old me. But, yeah, the next morning we discover that the, uh, the Nazis have caught up in a U-boat. And they take the Ark, and they take Marion. And Indy rides the top of the U-boat. Rides the top of the U-boat all the way across the Med. Because what could go wrong with that? Yeah, because because it, like I mean, you said you've been in a in a World War II submarine. Yeah, you can't hide in one of those things. No, like there's nowhere there's nowhere the privacy. <laughs> Only if you want to load yourself in the torpedo tube, in which case you have to hope there's no torpedo in there. You know, there's so he had to hide on the outside, and apparently the that U-boat didn't see the need ever to submerge going between Cairo or off the shore of Cairo, and some 
some island, what do we say, it was northeast of Madagascar, I think, is where I saw it on the map. And they arrive in this really cool secret Nazi base. Nobody sub- noticed him. Which no, no one noticed him get off. He's wet, so the, the, I think the assumption is he would have jumped off and swam into the... Well, yeah, but the place is just crawling with troops. Yeah. And yet somehow they don't notice, but whatever, okay, fine. And he beats up a guard and takes his uniform. Which, which is too which, small. Which is too small for him. Harrison Ford's a big guy. He's like six foot three or something like that. He's, not, yeah, he's not small. And some other German finds him and starts giving him shit. Guten Tag. Müde. Warum schläfst du? Wo ist dein Hemd? Wasch dich mal. Damit du nicht aussiehst wie ein Schwein bei deinem Standgericht. Steh auf. I see, assuming he's some drunk soldier. And he punches the guy and takes his cap and off he goes. And presumably takes his uniform as well. In the meantime, we get to see the only time we'll ever see Nazi symbolism that's not insulted, and that's the cargo carrier, which has the Ark, with this massive Nazi flag. It's, like, it's sort of like the low point, like, oh, God, look who has the Ark, yeah. because this Jewish artifact. And then we have the procession, which, you know, we talked about. It's got sort of Catholic elements. It's got, I mean, very much the sort of the Nazi torchlight parade elements, where you've got these troops at the front with these banners, and... They're holding the Ark, and it's like this horrific perversion because you've got not a Nazi procession carrying what would be the holiest object in Judaism, and I would argue in Christianity and Islam as well. It's the Ten it's Freaking Commandments. Yeah. yeah, like it would it would be a pretty serious object, and he threatens to blow it up. And of course, we know it's an RPG he found lying around somewhere. With, well, I mean, look, he, I mean, presumably he found that in the in the in the in the secret in the, yeah. in the secret Nazi base. But yeah, he has managed to want. I mean, look, I, I guess if he was in, uh, I mean, they do show him walking around the base. I mean, right. He passes right he, by Belloc, and, and Belloc doesn't notice him. He bumps him. He yeah, bumps he into bumps him. Yeah. Into him, yeah. Uh, and Belloc doesn't think it's like just an asshole soldier. Just, just so he, yeah. So yeah. So he's got the. He can get the guns. That's not the problem. But his bright idea is to threaten to blow up the Ark unless he gets safe passage off the island. Like. Who thought that was going to work? But whatever. He surrenders because he's Indiana Jones and he can't do anything right. So he winds up surrendering and being tied to a pole. While in the meantime, Rene Belloc and Tot and Dietrich, the head German, standing in front of the Ark on what's like this stone altar. And there are also all the German troops were there to guard. They're watching and there's at least two, two of them filming. And you got the big lights because it's dark out and you got a big massive Jenny. And off in the corner is Marion and... Indy and they're tied to that pole and Belloc is dressed as a Jewish priest not a rabbi Jews used to have priests like back in the days when there was a temple and he's dressed more or less the way they would have been and he's doing this Jewish ritual which Dietrich has already said he's not comfortable with but he's been convinced to do it because do you really want to go all the way back to Berlin and find out you got the wrong thing so he says a bunch of Jewish prayers and he opens it he opens the ark and Dietrich this is where he signs his death warrant he takes off his glove he digs his hand right into the ark and he pulls out sand because of course it would be sand after 2,000 years of jostling around stone tablets 
break. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it'd be sand, but I, I mean, it, it's meant to be sand symbolically. It's not meant to be anything realistic. But yeah, they, what would you expect? You think you're going to find the tablets in there? They were, start, start off with, they were broken to begin with. Yeah. If you believe the story, they were broken. That's why they had to be built in an ark, because they had to carry the pieces. And he sort of, he holds the sand and it starts leaking out and, and Belloc is horrified. He holds his hand out to catch the sand and then he looks down and you look in there and you realize the ark is now bottomless. And the same scary weather that hung over the Freeling's house and Poltergeist is down in there. And then the things start to go wrong. And the, the Jenny, the generator starts to act funny and that's where Indy clues in, uh-oh. And he don't, tells, don't look. Tells Marion, don't look. Because he realizes something's wrong. The, remember, the generator blows and all the lights explode. And, and the sound goes weird. The, yeah, thing, yeah, things start to sound weird. And he's like, yeah, don't look. And then God comes, essentially. God reminds him why you don't fuck with the stuff. You know, and the, the ghosts flickering around. And I, I told you during the movie um, that this one ghost approaches the camera. And for whatever reason, it's because I was in Hebrew. I, I know what it is. I was in Hebrew school at the time. And, you know, we, we were doing Torah studies. Torah is just what Jews call, Christians call the Torah the Old Testament. But before it was the Old Testament, it was the Torah. So we were studying the Torah, and we were studying some story or another about Rebecca, which I'm sure some listeners can go, oh, I know that's verse whatever from book whatever. Fine. For whatever reason, I've associated that biblical name, Rebecca, with this ghost who approaches the camera, first as this wispy woman, and then this scary, I don't know what it is, like ghoul, and everyone starts screaming and some sort of scary lights come out of the ark and fry all the soldiers and Tot's face. Out of Balak's eyes or something. They go through Balak and then his eyes start shooting. No, it's in front of him. him. It's in front of him. There's a fireball. Oh. There's a fireball raises up in front of Balak, like out of the mm-hmm. top of the ark and, and, and the, and the lights shoot out from oh. this fireball because it's the fireball that gets Balak. Right. Right. Because Dietrich's face sort of dehydrates and falls off. Tot's face melts right off and Rene Belloc's face his head explodes. But you don't, it, it's obscured by the fireball, which, I'm, which apparently the censor said will give you a restricted rating if you show this. Because it's pretty gory, like a face explodes and you, you get all the detail. So they did is they put in front of it the fire and it obscures it enough that you don't see. And then this big whirlwind comes in and sweeps up all the bodies and they're gone. And it all ends with the, 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 the lid of the ark falling down from the sky and closing it. God is a good cleaner. It turns out, but but as a kid, like I said this during the movie, as a kid in, you know, from from being a believer, from a Jewish household, studying this stuff in school, this to me was terrifying. Like, this is the reminder, God doesn't like when you piss him off. And this is what he's going to do to you. To to my mind, until, until I eventually gave up the faith, to my mind, that was when they talk about the wrath of God, it was that scene from Indiana Jones. It's don't, don't mess with him. Because yeah. this is yeah. what he's going all you and, and these people didn't even really do anything other than look at it. I mean, Dietrich, he's disrespectful by by holding the sand and then throwing it, which is pr- clearly disrespectful. But no one else even lays a hand on the damn thing other than to lift off the lid. Mm-hmm. And look what he does. Just to I mean, the German soldiers couldn't even see inside the ark because they were they were they were lowered down and they all get killed. I mean, they're Nazis, and yeah, so why wouldn't the... Well, God doesn't like Nazis. Yeah, well, yeah. at least, the, well, at least well, you hope so. At yeah. least in this movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Spielberg doesn't, obviously. Like really? The, really? The Jewish director yeah. doesn't like Nazis? Yeah. I'm yeah. very, very surprised in, at that. In 1981? Or in any time. Any time, yeah. I, it probably wasn't. In 1936, I, I don't know the history well enough, but I, I don't think it was always a terrible 
as bad as it was. Well, people knew what they were. I think they yeah. had started people knew, about People knew what they were. Yeah. Yes. They, they, so. they knew they were fascists in the 20s. They knew they were monsters. But I don't think people really understood until the 30s. And even then, it wasn't public knowledge. It was understood by governments what they were up to. But the, this movie was made in 1981, and we know what the Nazis are. And they're yeah. evil, and they deserve to be punished by God. And they are. And they're vacuumed into, into, uh, into the sky, and that's that. And the, the second movie in two days where they use the vacuum to end the scene. That's right. Yeah. They, 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 compre- they compress the, the Freeling's house in, in Poltergeist. Different different thing. that skims them all into the, into yeah. the whirlwind. Or yeah. Cleaned it up. Well, and, and uh, Monster Squad has a... The vortex that's... Clean the, up the, vortex, that, too. That's yeah. right. They're very convenient, those vortexes. Those like vortices. The Roomba. The Roomba of the 80s. Yeah, God's Roomba, God's Wrath Edition. <laughs> and so, yeah, so, you know, of course we realized that, you know, because Indiana Jones and, and Marion didn't, didn't look, God has spared them, despite the fact they were literally awash in fire. The only thing that's burned is the ropes, which are still smoldering when he realizes they've been burned off. So God has rewarded them by freeing them, by burning stuff that was against their skin without touching them, just as he did with the, with, like, on the Ark. The Ark is not damaged in sitting in that cargo hold when God burns off the swastika. Right. And I think that's kind of cool. And this is where we realize, you know, like the very end of the film, we, we go back to Washington, D.C., where in a really cool shot, we see every old-timey car that Spielberg could get his hands on pass in front of the mall, which is a neat, which is neat. I mean, this was not done with computers. This is, you know, they probably just got a bunch of old cars together. And it's cool. Then we realize, you know, he's in Washington, he's in Washington, D.C., and he's going to, you know, he's talking with these Army intelligence agents. And he says, yeah, the money's fine, but... This is unacceptable. What have you done with the Ark? Where is the Ark? I thought we'd settled that. The Ark is somewhere very safe. From whom? The Ark is a source of unspeakable power, and it has to be researched. And it will be, I assure you, Dr. Brody, Dr. Jones. We have top men working on it right now. Who? Top men. Cut to the warehouse. Cut to the warehouse. Well, no, no. First we get no. First we get to see uh, Indy talking with Marion, and he's in that kick-ass oh, right. suit the that awesome I suit I too. totally want those double-breasted pinstripe suits to come back. I want one of those. And she's dressed pretty snazzily too. I love the I love the style of the late thirties. I always have. And we realize he's angry, but what are you going to do? He shrugs it off, and they go off for a drink. So we know they're together. That's pretty clear. He got the girl because this is a rollicking adventure trademark and copyright and so of course he has to get the girl how do you not get the girl he gets the girl in all of his movies except in the last one she turns out to be a nazi or not the last one the uh, last crusade mm-hmm. i try not to think of crystal skull too much doesn't count yeah yeah and then the next scene is that awesome awesome warehouse scene i love that scene the endless crated warehouse you mentioned that you you move crates in a warehouse like that sometimes. yeah we have a big warehouse thing to store parts and stuff in and yeah. And, and you, crate on a crate on a dolly, and I'm pushing it down the road, and I'm like, <laughs> and, you, and you can hear the radio, you can hear the Raiders music in the background. Yeah, take a take a picture and text my brother, top men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so does this film hold up? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, this this film is as entertaining today as it was when I was six, and it, it brings out the adventure in me, and it's like, oh, such a cool movie, and it's so well done. I mean, it's it's exciting the whole way. There's no real slow spot. It, mm-hmm. It's just really, really well done. I yeah. think it does. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. At at, at forty four, I still want to be Indiana Jones. I could I could phone my brothers right now, and go dig holes in the backyard. Well, in this weather, probably not. Maybe wait till it warms up a bit next week. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Maybe gas line. Run. Maybe no. next. <laughs> yeah. In our next movie, we're going to see what happens when you dig when you dig too deep in the backyard. Um, does it hold up for you, Farron? It does. It's still does. your favorite. 
it's yeah that's the reason i chose this to be our first movie even though it's the ninth we recorded it's there's only one thing about this film that doesn't hold up and that's when that it's when that car goes over the uh, cliff because it's it's clearly a picture of the cliff with a model car in front of it and it's it's like it's not a great effect but that's it's a it's a split second that in the fucking wilhelm scream that takes me out of a film immediately but those two things i'm willing to 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 let them go because this film rocks this film is magnificent it is to me it's my very favorite film of all time to me it is the epitome of what an 80s film for kids can be because let's not forget this is not high art this is a children's film but it rocks i never wanted to be indiana jones but i always wanted to know indiana jones uh, i wanted to be belloc okay not no not really <laughs> but um yeah, like there's nothing about this film. The style, the music, the sound, the way it's filmed, the action sequences, the way it's acted. Everything in this film is perfect. And maybe that's just my seven-year-old or my six-year-old glasses. You know, like I'm looking at through rose-colored child's glasses. But totally it does. So out of five out of five, I'm going to give it a five. Oh, yeah. like, like five stars. I have to give it a five. Yeah, a solid five. Yeah. I mean, there's no... You just can't take anything away from this film. I could watch this movie again today. Yeah. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. I'll recommend it to people. Oh, yeah. A fantastic movie. Yeah, anytime Aaron says, you know, what film do you recommend? First thing I say, have you seen Raiders of the Lost Ark? No. Go go do that. Go go fix that. That's a problem. You know, that's yeah. a problem in our relationship as friends. We can't talk until you see that. Yeah, exactly. But it's funny because I had a colleague who uh, uh, who came over and watched and she found it so boring. It's like, ironically, we were dating and we stopped shortly thereafter. Not because of Raiders, but... Her favorite yeah. movie was Avatar. We're not going to go Titanic. Titanic. Titanic, yeah. yeah. I know how it ends. Yeah, exactly. I'm cheering for the die. Come die. on, iceberg. <laughs> yeah, I'm not kidding. But this movie, yeah, it's 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 easy to root for the good guys and to boo the bad guys, despite the fact that he kills dozens and dozens of people, and despite the fact that he's utterly incompetent, and despite the fact that he should have let Hitler have the thing, because Hitler's face would have melted off, and that would have been the end of the Third Reich. It's still a good film. And so let's leave it there. Right. Absolutely.